Good evening, friends. Today is the 17th of April, 2020. It feels good to be back with you after an absence. Thanks, as always, for your patience, kindness, and compassion. I really appreciate you. Today is a Friday in the Easter season. It is the first day after the end of Passover, so Passover ended yesterday, um, but just interesting, I think, in the cycle of time, if you're like me, then you really try to put yourself in the liturgical season and in the season of Jesus' life. And I think I have um, mentioned that I've been reading um, Borg and oh, I think it's Crossman. I forget the other author's name. I'm terrible. Uh, their book, The Last Week, that takes you using Mark's gospel primarily through Jesus's last week. And so it is always kind of startling to me to realize that Passover, the commemoration of Passover anyway, happened after Easter. And I guess that makes me think about a lot of things about Passover and Jesus not being passed over, but rather being the ultimate redemptive sacrifice. But anyway, not to get too far afield, it's good to be here with you. Our readings for this evening are Psalm 118. Exodus 13 verses 1 and 2 and 11 through 16 and 1 Corinthians 15 51 through 58 the gospel of Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 12 Blessed are you O God the God of our forebears creator of the changes of day and night giving rest to the weary renewing the strength of those who are spent bestowing upon us occasions of song in the evening. As you have protected us in the day that is past, so be with us in the coming night. Keep us from every sin, every evil, and every fear, for you are our light and salvation and the strength of our life. To you be glory for endless ages. Amen. Seek the one who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth. God is his name. Dear friends in Christ, here in the presence of Almighty God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins so that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, make speed to save us. O God, make haste to help us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia.
O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Creator in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Creator, Incarnate, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices. O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Psalm 118 O give thanks to God, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, God's steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, God's steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear God say, God's steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on God. God answered me and set me in a broad place. With God on my side I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? God is on my side to help me. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in God than to put confidence in mortals. It is better to take refuge in God than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of God, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of God, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They blazed like a fire of thorns. In the name of God, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but God helped me. God is my strength and my might. God has become my salvation. There are glad songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of God does valiantly. The right hand of God is exalted. The right hand of God does valiantly. I shall not die, but I live, but I shall live, and recount the deeds of God. God has punished me severely, but did not give me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them, and give thanks to God. This is the gate of God. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is God's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O God. O God, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of God. We bless you from the house of God. God is God. And, he has, and God has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to God, for God is good, and God's steadfast love endures forever. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 through 2 and 11 through 16. God said to Moses, 
Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the Israelites, of human beings and animals, is mine. When God has brought you into the land of the Canaanites, as God swore to you and your ancestors and has given it to you, you shall set apart to God all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your livestock that are males shall be God's, but every firstborn donkey you shall redeem with a sheep. If you do not redeem it, you must break its neck. Every firstborn male among your children you shall redeem. When in the future your child asks you, what does this mean? You shall answer, by strength of hand, God brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, God killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from human firstborn to the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to God every male that first opens the womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall serve as a sign on your hand and as an emblem on your forehead that by strength of hand God brought us out of Egypt. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle G, a song of Ezekiel. I will take you from among all nations and gather you from all lands to bring you home. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and purify you from false gods and uncleanness. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit put within you. I will take the stone heart from your chest and give you a heart of flesh. I will help you walk in my laws and cherish my commandments and do them. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 51 through 58. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability, and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of God, because you know that in God your labor is not in vain. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle Q, a song of Christ's goodness. Jesus, as a mother, you gather your people to you. You are gentle with us as a mother with her children. Often you weep over our sins and our pride. Tenderly you draw us from hatred and judgment. You comfort us in sorrow and bind up our wounds. In sickness you nurse us and with pure milk you feed us. Jesus, by your dying, we are born to new life. By your anguish and labor, we come forth in joy. 
Despair turns to hope through your sweet goodness. Through your gentleness we find comfort in fear. Your warmth gives life to the dead. Your touch makes sinners righteous. Lord Jesus, in your mercy heal us. In your love and tenderness remake us. In your compassion bring bring grace and forgiveness. For the beauty of heaven, may your love prepare us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, when he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners? and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The Holy Gospel of our Redeemer. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. God be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your sovereignty come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. That this evening may be holy, good, and peaceful, we entreat you, O God. That your holy angels may lead us in paths of peace and goodwill, 
we entreat you, O God, that there may be peace to your church and to the whole world. We entreat you, O God, that we may depart this life in your faith and fear and not be condemned before the great judgment seat of Christ. We entreat you, O God. Almighty God, who gave your only Son to die for our sins and to rise for our justification, give us grace so to put away the leaven of malice and wickedness, that we may always serve you in pureness of living and truth. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our God, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Be our light in the darkness, O God, and in your great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus, stay with us, for, the e for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in Scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Keep watch, dear God, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, gracious Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Amen. Now is the time when we pray special prayers and we say a few words. I'd like to offer up at this time particular prayers for all who are in a season of the valley. I think that's a lot of us. And it it doesn't matter. I, I've been doing a lot of listening to messages on, and, and I mean listening both figuratively and literally, some great podcasts and also just being aware of this message that seems to be coming to me lately about the dangers of comparative suffering. It, it doesn't matter if your valley is deeper than mine or vice versa. We are pretty much never suffering the least or the most out of all the humans on the planet at any given time. There's always going to be somebody who's suffering more or less than we are. And we do not have to have, we don't have to reach a particular quota of suffering in order to be allowed to feel it. So whatever the suffering is, whether the Whatever it is, let's just leave it at that. We could think of a million examples. I pray for God's comfort and peace. For God's love to so completely surround all of us. That in this time of difficulty, sorrow, grieving, scarcity, anxiety, fear, 
that all of that is overcome by God's love. For we know, as it says in Scripture, that perfect love casts out all fear. So may your love come find us exactly where we are, O God, and so completely envelop us that we live out your love through compassion with self and others. And that with your help, we flourish even in the valley, even as we're in this time where we really feel like we're in survival mode, that when we are out on the other side of it, we will realize that even in the midst of this barrenness, God grew and transformed us. And may we cooperate fully with that growth and transformation. May we reach out to each other across any geographic or spiritual or personal distance and allow God's love to flow through us with healing and restoration. All this I pray in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now let's talk about our readings just a little bit. It was actually the psalm for this morning, not this evening, but I want to say briefly about Psalm 136. That what I really what really struck me from this this psalm, which is a beautiful and it, it, the way I experience it is a beautifully symmetrical poem. But it can be summed up for me in God does, God has done, and God will keep on doing. And I think that that's helpful to hold on to at this time, that God loves, God restores, God redeems, and he has loved, restored, and redeemed, and healed. And God will keep on loving and restoring and redeeming and healing. I know that this looks and feels like a time like no other and it is frightening and silent in a way that that can feel surreal and it probably is an ending in some senses that things will not go exactly back to the way they were before but when we invest our prayers, our energy, our intention into moving forward through it cooperatively with God, then the changes that we see on the other side, they will eventually be for good because that's the very crux of what God does, right? Takes everything, even this, as hard as that is, especially for those of us in sorrow and grief, the loss of loved ones. God takes even this 
and perhaps we can rest in some comfort that although it feels like we are frozen in place with our grief, not having opportunity to publicly commemorate those passings, there is rejoicing in heaven that our loved ones have come home and we will eventually, we will be able to celebrate their lives and mourn their passing with each other. And God will use even this. When we open our hearts to God's work, God will use even this. Now let's talk about um, the psalm that we actually read for this evening. Thank you for allowing me the digression. What stands out to me about Psalm 119 is that it actually has um, a, one of the same repetitive lines from Psalm 136, for God's steadfast love endures forever. And since we've already talked about that, let's just mark it. And then move along to an overarching message that God saves, God rescues, God redeems, God sets us upright and in the open. And we, I bet a lot of us feel really constricted right now spending so much time in it. Our worlds have gotten very small, I guess is what I'm saying, the worlds of our, our daily lives. God opens all of that up. God takes what was rejected and makes it the crucial part. And I should say here that that piece, the stone that the builders rejected, has become the cornerstone. That is um, a reference to Exodus chapter 15, verse 2. And it's talking about the unsuitable stone becoming the, and this is quoted from my commentary, the keystone at the top of the gate. So you know how when you have an arc, the keystone, the one in the middle, every supports everything else. So it, it's both a key position in terms of the engineered structure, and it's also a move, as my commentary says, from high to low. So think about the stone being cast aside on the ground, and then it is literally up high and it is the stone on which all the others depend and you've heard this referred to um, to talk about Christ as well and I think too, that when we think about the stone, the keystone, as being the support for all the wretches of the arch, we can think about that again in terms of Christ as Christ holds the way open for us. Christ did not conquer death and ascend to heaven and then 
the curtain closed behind him and we cannot get through. It's not like that. He opened the way and he maintains the way open. We may pass through under and after Christ and the way is clear. At a time in my life, and I am sure a time in some of your lives when the way does not seem clear, but we are praying for it to become clear. Let us take comfort in this, that the ultimate path for all of us, the passage to unity with God, God's self, to eternity, to heaven, is held open permanently by God whose everlasting love endures forever. And love is the way. So that enduring love itself is both the path and also the destination. Sorry if I got too, too metaphorical on you guys there, but now talking about our reading from Corinthians. Oh, sorry. I guess we should talk about Exodus first. So I think this is, is fascinating. And I think the message for us is, is that, you know, this is just following Passover, right? And so perfect timing for us reading it today guess they know what they're doing when they work out the lectionary, right? <laughs> we are also caught in this place. We're not quite through to the other side, right? And we might not be for a little bit. We're not past the time of peril and to the time where we can look back and see that we've been rescued. But keeping our eyes kind of on that, the Israelites at this point, Passover had happened. They had been rescued, protected, right, from the angel of death. And God says that the way they should commemorate this is by consecrating their firstborn. So the firstborn were saved. So from hereafter, consecrate the firstborn. And I think that where this holds true for us, even in this current season, is that we are consecrated. Ourselves and our descendants are consecrated for God. What does that apart? What does that mean? Well, let's, let's talk about some of the following verses here. Let's talk about the difference between set apart and redeemed and for animals it means sacrificed for humans it means dedicated as we read on it and it talks about um how the firstborn of of the people will have to be redeemed well we have been redeemed right We've been redeemed in Christ, and I don't believe, I want to be clear on this, I agree with Borg and company on this, um, that Christ was not 
a substitutional sacrifice. But Christ did redeem for us and redeem us. And so the way that we mark that is by dedicating ourselves to God and consecrating God. And when our children ask us why we do these things, we tell them the story. We help them understand in a way that is deep and true and applicable to our everyday life. I not just this is the story of Easter and plus some bunnies and chocolate eggs, but rather this is the way we live and this is why we live. And then I think it's really beautiful that in verse um, 16, it says, It shall serve as a sign on your hand and as an emblem on your forehead that by strength of hand, God brought us out of Egypt. So we're marked. And, And those markings put me in mind of some other markings that scripture talks about. How Jesus writes our names on his hand. How we have the mark of Christ on our foreheads. Or we will, that's from Revelation. And... And in a season where for me personally, it's been so helpful to have some of the soul friends in my life remind me of things that some of my most enlightening conversations lately are reminders of things that I know intellectually, but am not yet practicing in my daily life, not yet living out would be the better way to say that, I guess, and that I don't know deep down in my being yet. They haven't seeped their way through to my heart. God's love is one of those that I struggle with. I know intellectually that God loves me. Like, I get that concept. But I am not dwelling in that love. And you've heard me talk a lot about wanting to live from a place where I'm rooted in faith and love. And I believe that this is healing a blockage to that goal. Or on the path to healing, I suppose. It it is a gerund form, so it's in process. But So I think there's something poignant and meaningful and understanding that we are God's consecrated to God, redeemed by and for God, and that this is written on our hands and foreheads and in our hearts, and that Jesus also is marked. We are marked, and Christ is marked, and we share those commemorative signs isn't strong enough, but I think you know where I'm going of that dedication to each other. Now going to 
1 Corinthians. So I love a mystery. I particularly love uncovering a mystery. I'm glad that my son doesn't hate watching thrillers or mystery-based TV shows and movies with me yet because I always pick up on the foreshadowing and I go, oh, such and such is going to happen. Instead of being like, would you stop ruining for me? He's like in awe. He's like, man, you get it every time. <laughs> and then he's always on the lookout. And it, it kind of like it's honing his attention to detail too, which is really cool in his perception. Um, but I've always, ever since I was a, a little kid, they used to have this entire bookstore dedicated to mysteries um, that was not, it was not too far. It was like within driving distance of of where I lived as a teenager and, or an adolescent maybe. And I loved going there. So I love a good mystery. I recently, one of my favorite mystery authors, um, Julia Spencer Fleming released a book for like the first time in six years. And yes, I pre-ordered it from Amazon and I had to like pace myself. So I didn't just gobble the book. So I'd like let myself read a chapter to a day or whatever, (laughs) like savoring it. So I love a good mystery. So I, I pick up, I perk up when um, the author here tells us, I will tell you a mystery. And I think it goes along with like my scientific curiosity. I just love figuring things out. And so I'm like, oh boy. And, and then he, he tells us, we will not all die, but we will all be changed. And this this is a mystery that Paul or whoever the author of Corinthians was is allowing us a, or a glimpse into is, is, is attempting to describe for us. And any glimpse into God's mysteries is to me beautiful and amazing and a little bit hard to wrap my mind around and something that has to be known back to what we were saying in the last reading, not just intellectually, and neither just spiritually, not that spiritually can ever be just, but also something that you kind of know with the body, with the gut, in your bones. The mystery of God's love is like that. The mystery of the resurrection is like that. And we will all be changed. We will all be transformed. And also, we are all being changed. We are all transforming. It is not as drastic as that moment when we go from death to life. But it is beautiful and mysterious and not something that you can quite break down. And something that's not called out specifically in this reading, but that really is on my heart at the moment is that It is crucial in God's will for us to love our transforming selves across the span as we were, as we are, and as we will be. 
I see too often, and it works as a short-term coping mechanism, but it does not work as a long-term integrated, authentic, holy living and holy loved and loving self that folks will say, I was like that, but now I'm like this. And they kind of cast off or disown their former selves, even in the bottom of your pit, to use a Beth Moore metaphor, that you dug and jumped into yourself. Even in what you, even in the memory that just makes you cringe with shame every time you think about it. Even then, you were completely loved. God loved you so much. If we can just glimpse ourselves through God's eyes just for a moment and love ourselves the way God loves us, even just if we're reflecting just a glimmer of what God feels for us, that is so helpful because to truly become who we're becoming who God is transforming us into, we have to also love the people that we've been in the context that we've been. God does, and with God's help, so can we. And all of these things we're trying to do is the writer says, our labor is not in vain. The love that we're trying to find for ourselves and our neighbor, the time that we're spending in study and prayer and communication and reaching out and trying and doing our best, none of that is in vain. It all, all that work, because we work with God, goes for God's universal Christ project, as, as Richard Rohr would say, toward not just towards, yes, our own transformation and also the transformation of our united spiritual community. All of creation all of the created. Lastly, let's talk about our gospel reading. So I mentioned that um, I read, and actually I'm still just kind of finishing up. Jack and I have been really taking bite-sized pieces. We've been reading it together out loud. Um, Bite-sized pieces of the last day of of Easter day, Um, which like I, so the last week does focus on the Mark on Mark's gospel, but it, it also talks about the other gospels. So I think it's, it's very interesting that, you know, Mark was written first, right? So by the time we get to Luke, we have two angels who are sharing the message and the women actually do go and tell they're not afraid. So there are some differences, but just like, um, Borg and company say, it is most helpful to look at the message overall, instead of picking apart the details. Um, And by that, I mean, 
becoming so overly focused that the details become a distraction. And the message here, I think, is that they did not find the body, that Christ was not there, that Christ was risen. And spiritually, we are rising. We are not ascended fully yet. But you can think of that transformative process, the transforming glory to glory, the co-creative process with God that we talk about often as arising, as being called to God, as drawing ever nearer, and sometimes it's stutter steps, right, to God. And it ties back to our metaphor about the keystone, right? We are rising to follow Christ through the path that Christ has cleared for us. And it is it is a transforming, but it's also not entirely linear because we were created by the divine, from the divine, with the divine in us. So it is, in a sense, becoming what we always were and were created to be in the very essence of ourselves. And I think, if I can humbly say so, that that's why the circular motif is so important in Celtic Christianity, in ancient Celtic Christianity, is that there was a deep understanding of that non-linear spiritual existence, path, creation, rhythm, etc. So the tomb is both empty and we are also finding the tomb empty. And and we're discovering a new what in our divine selves we have always known. Christ and the love of Christ in the way that is love. It, it is at once something new and something sacred and ancient that we have, have always known in some deeper place. And forgive me if that sounds a little out there it is not in fact new age spirituality it is tied to ancient christianity and perhaps i'm not using the most eloquent words to describe it but it is a beautiful and amazing mystery that's unfolding for me and i think 
hopefully in this Easter season can be for you as well. That even and especially in this time where it doesn't perhaps feel like Easter, we haven't had the celebrations that we are used to commemorating this season with. And, you know, speaking of seasons, I'm looking out the window and here's my tree and bud and also snow flurries. Not the big fat ones on gusts of wind the other day, but steady, small flakes, almost like snow drizzle. And so it doesn't, it doesn't feel like Easter Friday. But what is Easter? And what is the Easter season to us? What is the Easter season experienced within the season of pandemic? And I think that is a question for God from us. And perhaps we will gain new insight into the divine mystery. Perhaps God's love will be further revealed to us. I am excited for this. Getting to know God and getting, getting to know myself more deeply, my authentic, divinely created self is, is exciting to me. I hope that you can find or that you do find some excitement yourselves and yes, even amidst everything else. Be well, my dear friends, and thank you for listening. I hope I did not ramble too much. God bless you. I love you. Let us wrap this up. Almighty God, maker of all mercies, we are collaborators, co-conspirators, created. Give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And, we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory for all ages. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.